Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right. Good morning, everybody. It is great to see you guys. We are kicking off a brand new series entitled De-Stressing Your Distress this morning. Let me start by asking you this. Have you ever encountered one of these? Have you ever been around a hypocrite? Anybody here know what I'm talking about? You know one, you've been around, you work around one. So a few of you, which means you might be the other person. Uh, so, So I'm just kidding. All right. So Yes, as a matter of fact, some of you would say, yes, I've been around that, and they're, they're repulsive, right? You know, you don't really enjoy being around people like that. For some of you might say, yeah, well, honestly, that's the reason why I was out of church for so long. <laughs> it was because of people like that, right? It was, a, that church is a bunch of hypocrites. I don't want to go to that church. I don't want to go to any church. I don't want to, I'm done with church, right? And even you being back into church is kind of like you're still like checking it out, and we're so glad you are, and we take that, uh, we, that entrustment very seriously. We, we don't want to violate that, but also I think you might be surprised to know that Jesus felt the same way about hypocrisy. As a matter of fact, Jesus, as we're going to look at today, he gives many warnings for his followers to stay far away from hypocrisy because in all of its manifestations in our life, it does create great stress and strife and a division between us and God and us and other people. It just does no good things for us at all. Now, in our past couple of series of message series, we've been working our way through Matthew chapter 5, and one of the things we noticed as we went through that is that this good news that Jesus came to bring was the good news of the kingdom of God that the kingdom of God is now available. It is open and anyone could enter in. Not someday in heaven, but right now you begin to live in the kingdom with a relationship with the king of the kingdom right now and you can know him. And there are so many blessings and benefits that come from the kingdom. But also there's a lot of obstacles and barriers and barricades that get in our way. And Jesus here in chapter six we're going to see, he's telling us about them. He's saying, here's a bunch of the things that will get in your way, and that still get in our way right down to this very day. And he's going to speak about some things that may feel like they might be a little irrelevant, but as we get into it, I think you'll find are incredibly relevant to our life today. And so he's going to begin to throw down some watch outs, some lookouts, and I want you to be mindful of these things because a lot of people fall into these pitfalls and they never quite know how to get out of it. And they live their life in chronic stress and anxiety, maybe more today than ever before in the history of the human race. And so hopefully maybe today might help set some people free as we look at these words of Jesus. So we're going to look at chapter 6 of Matthew, starting with verse 1. Here's how he begins. Watch out! All right? Attention getter. Jesus. This is, this is, he's a master communicator. Watch out. Don't, uh, don't do your good deeds. Some translations say your righteousness, your right living publicly to be admired by others. For you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. So two observations I want us to make right away. First of all, Jesus is saying, 
You have a heavenly Father that wants to bless you. He wants to reward you. Just like you love to give good gifts to your kids, your grandkids, you love to be able to take care of those around you, so God loves to take care of his kids. We get that from him, that imago Dei, made in the image of God. That's one of those things imprinted on our soul that we just enjoy doing that. God loves to do that. And secondly, Jesus is telling us, God is concerned about the motivation of my heart and your heart. What's going on inside of our hearts? Why we're doing good deeds? Why we're giving? Why we're doing? We're doing good things. We're doing good things, but Jesus is saying he wants us to do good things or the right things for the right reasons, right? Now, that might feel like splitting hairs. Like, well, if I could just get my kids to do the right thing, I don't even care if their motive's wrong. I just want them to do the right things, right? Like, I, I get that. I've been there, right? I understand that. But you don't want that to be the sustaining um, kind of MO for the rest of their life. You want them to do the right things for the right reasons. It's, it's important to learn how to do this because whenever there's a, a disconnect it causes our hearts to be stressed and anxious. It does not create integrity when there is a disconnect. There is a lack of integrity, so it causes our hearts not to flourish in the way that God created us to flourish. And you think about it like this. We're repulsed by this even when this happens in relationships. Have you ever been in a relationship? It could be a friendship or a romantic relationship. You were dating somebody, and you found out, oh, Ladies, you, you found, oh, he's only dating me to get something from me, right? So that's the only reason. That's the only reason he's being nice. That's the only reason he's paying for nice meals. That's the only reason. Like, that's horrible. Like, that feels like a sham. It feels like hypocrisy, right? You're like, no, I don't want to be in a relationship with somebody who's got ulterior motives behind everything they do. You want there to be genuine kindness and genuine love and genuine friendship between you, right? We all want that. God wants that. So when we do these things unto him, he wants us to have the right heart. So important. So he tells us in verse two, he's like, okay, now let me give you an illustration, one that would really be relevant to the people of his day that they saw happen all the time, okay? Verse two, he says, and when you give to someone in need, all right, you see somebody, they have a need, you're going to give to them. Don't do as the, say it together, the hypocrites. Now, I'll just tell you up front, he's talking about the Pharisees, the Jewish religious leaders of his day. The hypocrites, and here's how we know, don't do it as they do, blowing trumpets, boop, 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 right? They would literally pay trumpeteers to follow them around and sound off a trumpet every time they did something good. If they gave, because he tells us, he goes in the synagogues when they give their money, when they're out in the streets, if they do any good deed, boop, 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 you know, like, oh, wow, where, where's the good deed being done? Oh, he's right over there. Way, way to go. An amazing guy. Yeah, incredible. Call attention to their acts of charity. He said, I'll tell you the truth. They have already received all the reward they will ever get. This is, this is really, really powerful. Jesus here is showing us that there is a connection between what we're, what we're orienting our heart towards and the reward that we're going to get. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more. I want to unpack this word hypocrite right here. The uh, etymology, uh, the origin, the history of the word, and how we use it in Western America 
can be traced back to its origin of Jesus Christ at this moment in time. The first person to ever use it this way. Really interesting. And Jesus uses it 17 times throughout the New Testament. He's the only one in the New Testament that uses this word hypocrite. And, and here's what it actually means. From the Greek, it means an actor, right? An actor. And, and I had to do some study on this. I'm thinking, did Jesus even know what an actor was? And, and oddly enough, there were actually functioning theaters in Jesus' day. There was one that was built in, uh, I think it was Sephoris. It was a town about two miles or a couple miles away from Nazareth where he grew up that was built during his childhood. Some historians think that he and his father were actually carpenters that helped build it. So he was very familiar with stage acting back then, right? And he, this word, hupokrates, from its Greek root, really means somebody under a mask. It is an actor. But Jesus does something just brilliant and fascinating. He takes this word that means actor, under a mask, and he turns it around and makes it mean someone who deceives others. Someone who has an ulterior motive. Someone who has one face to the world and another issue going on inside of their hearts. And Jesus, he does this so that he brings that term, um, he brings that term really uh, into what we would call our moral vocabulary in the Western world today, that we use this word to really point out moral deficiencies in other people. But it, it can be traced, historical, literal records will take it all the way back to this moment we're reading right here, that Jesus uses it this way. And he does this to reveal how important our hearts are before God. He's like, it's not enough just to do good outward things. God is concerned with the heart. And this is kind of, you may see this reoccurring theme left over from chapter five, that last series that we did. Well, he was talking a lot about these kind of things, the Think Like Jesus series. We, we talked about, he was always trying to get us to think about what was going on in your heart, not the superficiality, but what is the deeper stuff that's going on? In other, way, in other ways, uh, another way of thinking about it is our lives work best when our face in other words, our mask, we all have them, right? Our mask to the world matches our heart before God. That the external face that you give at work, at home, in the community, with your friends, online, your online presence, your online personality, your online you know, identity, um, all of that matches what's actually happening inside your heart. Jesus, it was a big deal to Jesus to make sure that this was happening because when we are out of sync, it causes massive stress in us because we got to keep up the act. we got to keep acting. Some of you are like, yes, and I'm exhausted from it. It's, it causes great anxiety in our life. Many, 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 many people live with chronic anxiety, stress, can hardly sleep, feel stress all the time because of this, all the time. And Jesus is saying, Here's the first place I want you to begin to think about this. Your reward, your reward or the applause of your life will come from the audience that you choose, okay? Who, what is the audience you have chosen? Who are you performing for? We're all performing for somebody and don't fool yourself into thinking, oh no, no I don't perform for nobody. It's all about me. Well, as we're gonna see in a minute, even you, is not a good enough audience to perform your life for. Because the audience that you choose um, will actually produce 
the results that you're getting in your life right now. It is the reward. The reward you're getting is coming from the audience that you're playing to, is what Jesus is saying. So here's a great follow-up question. Am I giving, when you do give, when you are generous, when you are kind and you're trying to help other people who are in need, as Jesus said, am I giving for admiration from people or from others or for compassion for others? Am I doing deep down this is where it is hard. You've got to ask yourself some tough questions, and you might even want to sit down with some people that really, really know you and say, can you help me think through this? Because I don't want to be living a sham. I don't want to be living as a hypocrite. When I do a good deed, am I really doing it for them, or am I secretly doing it for me? Am I really trying to, like, hey, hey, is everybody looking? See what I'm doing over here? Yeah, I'm a pretty good guy, yeah. Yeah, and not only do I want people to think I'm a good guy, but it wouldn't hurt my feelings a whole lot at times, if I'm really honest, if they're a little jealous, you know? They wish they were me. And we, 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 uh, we see that a lot in our day. Where it's, it's just a trap. You didn't start off wanting to be there, but it, it, is, it sucks us in because that's the audience we're playing to. And Jesus reveals that this duplicity, not only in us, but all the way back to the first century in the... Uh, the Pharisees, God sees right through the duplicity. And he's saying, I have made you for better. You have been created for better. And until you begin to live better, you will live with great stress and anxiety. You're going to be living out of sync with the way I have made you. And if you want to de-stress your hearts, you've got to learn to begin to say, it's not about those people anymore. So here's what I want to, before we go any further, just to begin with a warning. Watch out. Using Jesus' language, watch out for people-pleasing traps in your life. And I say watch out because it's so easy to fall into one. We all can fall into it. I fall into them. And I don't even know it till after I'm in it. And I go, oh, shoot, what am I doing? I'm living to try to please other people. Let's talk about this for a second because it can happen to It's I bet it's happening to you right now in an area of your life and you're not even aware of it. So people pleasers have learned that it feels so good. Mm, feels so good when people approve of you and when they celebrate you and they're happy with you and they, they, they tell you the things you want to hear, right? So it makes us begin to steer our words and our actions in such a way that it will offer from other people the greatest approval to us. Our words and actions now become a slave to the opinions, the whims, the, um, the uh, approval, if you will, or appraisal of other people of us and what we're doing. So outwardly, and this is the part that is so insidious about being a people pleaser, okay? And, and I'm saying this because I, I am one at times, and maybe you are, and I, I feel like me being honest about this might help set some people free, but just see if this doesn't resonate with you sometimes. Outwardly, you know, the mask that everybody sees, outwardly, people pleasers will seem selfless and kind and generous, but yet beneath the surface, if they could be brutally honest with you, they don't feel that way on the inside. They feel desperately insecure much of the time. And they believe that the approval of their life equates their value. Approval from other people tells them how much they're worth. This why that people pleasers cannot feel okay about them if other people do not feel okay about them. Have you ever been there? 
You're like, oh, I, I just wish like crazy that that one child or that my parent, my mom or my dad or, or, my, or my spouse or whoever, I just can't be okay about me unless they're okay with me, right? Now, if you're doing something boneheaded and you need to change, that's different, right? But I'm talking about living for the approval of other people. And so it's learning how to identify where am I being a people pleaser? Now, some of us are going to just be more prone to being people pleasers. Some of us are more compliant. Some of us are just more sensitive to what other people are thinking and how they're responding and how they're acting. And, and we want, and we're not careful, out of what we feel like is love for them. We will cater, we will tailor, we will craft our life in such a way so we can keep him or her okay with us. And we will, we will go way out of our way and we will stress ourselves out. We're constantly thinking about how are they going to respond? What are they going to think? What's going to happen? Or that group of people constantly. Now, this is why the, the term people pleaser is actually a misnomer. Because people pleasers, they strive to please everyone because they're trying to actually please themselves. They just want to feel okay. They just want to feel good, Right? And it's why doing really kind and selfless acts, maybe you've felt this before, can feel kind of horrible, terrible, and draining and exhausting and stress you out. It's because of the audience you have chosen. You're doing really good things, but you're doing it for the wrong reasons. And it is a burden. It is not a blessing to your heart when you live like that. And when our audience becomes the people around us, or even ourselves, it's very popular and it's very like culturally accepted to say, you do you, you make yourself happy, and to give that advice to our kids, honey, I just want you to be happy, I just want you to be happy, do whatever it makes, will make you happy. The moment that happiness, our own personal happiness becomes the goal and the center of our life, we just made it impossible to ever actually have a grasp on. It will always be a sunrise we are chasing and chasing and chasing. It is amazing how Jesus says, you want to truly be set free? Stop making it about you. Have a love for God and a compassion for others and let your service of others come from those places and all of a sudden, you're free. You're not a prisoner anymore to the whims and the fickle nature of human, humanity anymore. Right? And it takes some time to get there. And Jesus is saying, I will help you. I want me and the Father, the Holy Spirit, we will help you get there. Don't you worry. I'll help you. But the moment that we make anything but God the goal of our life, we fall inadvertently into what is called self-idolatry. We really, what we do is we make an idol out of self. That we begin to bow down everything, time, our money, our energy, everything to try to make self okay. And Jesus is showing us you don't start there. I want you to be okay. I want you to be way more than okay. I want you to live the abundant life. But you can't start with you and you can't make other people's approval the audience of your life or it will drive you mad. And some of you can testify to how it is working in just that way in your life. So I'm just going to um, begin to give it over to the Lord. 
This is one of the greatest stress producers of our world today of self-idolatry, making it about ourselves. It stresses us out in so many ways. So how do we discover, how do we find these areas of our life that have become a prison sentence that we are incarcerated in? How do we find these places where we've become kind of bowing down to self? Jesus says, here's, what you, here's a good place to start. Watch for trumpets right? Watch for, boop, 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 boop. look out for the self-promoting trumpets of our lives. Now, actually using trumpets just ain't our style anymore, right? Today, 2023, we don't use trumpets anymore. We have much more sophisticated trumpets that we use. Um, and, and this is a sticky and difficult thing to talk about. So let me just propose some things to you to think about and then you sift through it with God on your own, okay? I'm not trying to say that everybody who does some of the things I'm talking about is struggling with self-idolatry or has picked the wrong audience, but it is worth asking the question, okay? What are the ways today, and I'm not asking you to shout out answers, but just to think about, what are the ways today that we self-promote, that we um, subtly, not so subtly, you know, humble brag kind of moment. Like, what, what are those areas? Maybe it's something we hang on the wall. Like, yeah, you did something really wonderful and they gave you a plaque for it. They named something after you. They put, and that's, it, you know, you're not, it doesn't hurt your feelings to hang it on the wall. It's a trophy. It's something. It says something about you. But why? Why is it there? What are you hoping to derive from that thing? What is it that you're hoping it will do for you? It's something that will make you look good or it looks good on your resume. And we've even had these conversations with our girl. There's certain things that like, oh, this is going to look really good on a college application. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's not why we're doing this. Like, yeah, that's great. But let's make sure we actually care about the people we're serving, right? We're compassion for people, love for God. Right? This is important to ask what's happening inside the heart. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about something even more sticky. Social media trumpets. Now, I may have coined that for a phrase. I don't know anybody that's using that, but social media trumpets, okay? Now, uh, as they say, the devil is in the details, and what I'm talking about details here is what's happening inside of our hearts. When we post something on social media, and, and hear, don't hear me say I'm anti-social media. We use social media here to promote things, right? It is worth asking the question. When we post something on social media, why are we posting this? Even if it's something wonderful, even if it's something of God, maybe it's something incredible, something a real miraculous thing happened, or, or just what? But why are we doing it? And I think it's also important to note that all of those social media apps, they have been written, they have code that were written by a human being that are written in such a way to produce a kind of result, to, to get a response, just like all computer programs. They, it's written in such a way to get a response, to get an outcome, and that outcome is our attention, but it's also for us to come back and check likes and follows and friends and comments is that why? Is that why we post? It's a way to be honored by other people. We got to be careful with this. Why? Because if we're brutally honest in that moment, we are seeking the applause 
to be thanked by, admired by, maybe even envied by other people. We have to be careful. We have to check our hearts. Now, I'm not saying, again, social media is wrong, but I'm just saying that before you do, Jesus would have us ask this question, whose glory is this for? Really? <laughs> is it really? Okay? Only you and God can answer that question, right? I'm not going to judge that. I'm not going to judge you. This is, again, this whole section of the sermon, this is you, you dealing with your heart before God, not your neighbor's heart before God, okay? Now, I love that Jesus not only said this, and he not only challenged us with this, but he modeled it. He showed us how to do this, and he shows us that audience makes all the difference for your heart. Like, who is the audience of your heart. And he, Jesus even tells us over in the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 24 and 25, Jesus says, I love all people. Like, he loves everybody, but he, he will be real clear, but I do not entrust my heart to people. Let's take a look at this together. And this is from the Amplified Bible that really expounds some of the word meanings. But Jesus says, for his part, he did not, let's say it together, he did not entrust himself to them. He didn't entrust himself to them because, here's why, he didn't entrust his heart. He didn't make them his audience. He didn't live for their applause because, here's why, he knew, that all, he knew all people and understood the superficiality and fickleness of human nature. And we should too. This is wisdom. He goes on to say, and he did not need anyone to testify concerning man or mankind, humankind, and human nature. For he himself knew what was in man or in humans, in their heart, in the very core of their being. He knew that I love these people, but I am not going to live for their approval because it will get me way off mission, way off task. I'll be deriving my value from the wrong place. My purpose, my destiny will get hijacked trying to please these people. You see, Jesus loved all people, but he did not entrust himself to them. Some of you came to church today for that truth right there because you need to go, ooh, I need to do that. Jesus did that, and he says, come and follow me. That's where you need to start following. I need to stop entrusting. You need to stop entrusting your heart to people that are not ever meant to be entrusted with your heart. And that, that only God, yesterday, today, and forever, he is the same, is worthy of giving our heart to. He never allowed people to define his worth, his purpose, his destiny, and not only... Is this, a way, uh, is this way of life uh, far better to live like this? To live for the approval of other people will stress you out. It is exhausting, and ultimately you will discover it is impossible. It's impossible. And Jesus, I love this, in Luke chapter 6, verse 26, from the message, he says, there's trouble ahead when you live for only for the approval, only for, let's say it together, only for the approval of others saying what flatters them, doing what indulges them. Popularity contests, don't miss this, popularity contests are not truth contests. If you're going to win a popularity contest, you're probably not going to have to, you're not, probably not going to have the luxury of really being yourself, right? 
Your task is to be true, not popular. True. And Jesus is calling us to that truth. Maybe you need to do what Jesus did and do just that. Have you entrusted yourself to others? Have you entrusted yourself to others? Maybe it's time to say, God, help me to stop living like that. That's what's causing me so much stress and anxiety. That's, it's a crazy maker. Now, this gives beautiful context for what Jesus says next in the sermon. And, and uh, back in Matthew chapter 6, verse 3, he says, but when you give to someone in need, right? This is an important thing we're going to all do. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now, what does that mean? And how do we even do that? Let me ask you a quick question. How many of you are right-hand dominant people here in the room? How many? Most of you, okay? Let's see the left-hand dominant people. All right. You never get asked that question, do you, right? <laughs> left-hand dominant people. Well, the idea was back in the first century, just like today, most people are right-hand dominant. It became a symbol. It was a representation of the hand that did everything. It kind of did everything, including giving. And so... The idea here is that we need to think about this becoming something that's automatic, that it is natural for us. Think about all the things that you did automatically and naturally this morning from the time you woke up to the time you got to church. Right? You got up, you brushed your teeth, you got dressed, you drove your car, you didn't have to think about every single little, oh, I've got to use my signal, and oh, now I need to put hand over hand and turn, and oh, I've got to look out for other people. Like, if you ever ride in the car but somebody has to think about everything they're doing, it's a nightmare, right? I've taught three teenagers how to drive, and that's exactly how they drive when they first start. Not fun. Jesus is saying, and speaking with your spiritual life, like, you, you, you know, God is growing us to the point where we can begin to naturally and, 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 and automatically begin to live for him in a generous, kind, and loving, selfless way for people around us. Put it another way, people who have been so transformed by their daily walk with God that good deeds just naturally flow out of their character. It's not something they have to think about. This is, when this begins to happen in your life, and it will happen, just as a matter of time, if you begin to follow and seek Jesus, and you make God the center of your life, it will start to flow out of you. And this is precisely what he meant by not letting your left hand know what your right hand's doing. It's just automatic. And people that you might catch doing good deeds that really are doing it for God, they'll be like, it's no big deal. Like, I just, after... In light of what God's done for me, why would I not? This is just a natural, normal, logical way to live life. And in verse 4, he tells us, and there is a beautiful blessing in store. Give your gifts in private. In other words, do them in such a way that you're not constantly thinking, what are other people thinking about me doing this good deed right now? How are they, are they liking it? Is there anybody over in the corner going, way to go, Will? Woo-hoo-hoo, that's awesome. Is anybody wondering? No. Stop thinking about them. That's not your audience. You're doing it for the Lord. And your Father, who's your audience, right, who sees everything, what's in private, public, everything, inside our heart, the face mask that we choose, he sees everything. Will, what will, what will, he, what will he do? He will, he will reward you. Yeah, he's going to reward you. It's going to be beautiful. Jesus is showing us the people who have God's attention, that get his blessing and get his reward are the people who are willing to let God become their audience 
And they do their good deeds, their acts of righteousness, their generosity is for compassion for people and love for God and not for the approval from people. And here's our prayer. I'm going to ask you to pray with me today. Simply saying, Lord, forgive me for the times that I gave with wrong motives. We have all done, I've done this, we've all done it. We, we, we did something kind, but we did it for the wrong reasons. I'm done with that stress. I don't want to live like that anymore, right? I commit to give out of compassion for others and love for you. I receive your grace right now. It is only through the grace of God that we can do what I'm talking about. And it is also through the grace of God that we become the children of God. That some of you need to receive that today. It's to say, God, I'm tired of trying to do good deeds on my own and trying to fabricate peace and joy and love in my own power. I want yours. I want a relationship with you, God. I want to walk with you every day. I want to know you. I want to love you and let you become the audience of my life, the thing for which you were created. And you will feel it down to the core of your soul that like, yes, I finally come home. I finally found the thing for which I was put here. And Jesus is trying to give us a shortcut into the kingdom. You don't have to waste your whole life looking. You can find it right now. If you would, I want to invite you in this prayer to invite Jesus Christ into your life to forgive your sin. Sin is the, the thing that keeps us separated from God. Praise him for his sacrifice on the cross that pays that penalty receive that forgiveness and make him the Lord of your life starting right now. If you would, let's bow together in prayer. We love you, Jesus. We thank you so much for your, your power and your wisdom to speak into our modern day problems that stress us out every day. And trying to please other people is right up there at the top of the list for many, many, many of us. I pray, God, that all across this room right now that we would say, God, I am done trying to let my life be all about pleasing people. I'm tired of being a people pleaser. I'm tired of only feeling okay about me when I know that other people feel okay about me. That is a crazy maker. It is a prison sentence. Would you just let him open the jail cell today and let you out? Jesus is standing there saying, come on, come on out. You don't have to live like this anymore. If you're saying yes to Jesus right now and saying, thank you, Lord, I'm, I'm coming out of that prison cell of trying to keep everybody happy, trying to please everybody right now, would you just lift your hand right now? I'd love to pray for you. God, thank you for the hands going up all over the floor and the balcony, all over this room. God, thank you for the honesty. God, if, if we're not a church that can get honest with you, we're not doing our job. I pray, God, that you would help us just to get honest to God today get real. Stop playing a game and let our hearts be laid open, bare, be real. Would you just tell him right now, God, I'm tired. I'm sick and tired. I can't do this anymore. I don't want to make that person or that group of people as much as I love them. We're not saying we don't love them. We do love them. And this is a part of loving someone is not letting them become the idol of your life. And really it's self-idolatry. We give it all over to you, Jesus, right now. And may you take the rightful place at the center of our lives, that you become our audience, 
that we live for an audience of one and let that peace sink way down in our soul of knowing that you already love and approve us. You already care desperately for us. You are always there and that your love can never be taken away and it is from everlasting to everlasting. You may lower your hands. God, I pray for every person in this room that would honestly say, I want to be a child of God and I have never formally made that commitment to God. Would you do that right now? Would you just say, I'm inviting you into my life, Lord. I want to praise you for dying on the cross for my sin and I accept that payment right now that you would cover over all of my transgressions, all of my sins, everything I have ever said or even thought or done that displeases and goes against you. Please cleanse me from all that unrighteousness. And you promise that if we call out in your name, you will do just that. And that you will come and be the Lord. Would you tell him, and also, not only do I ask you to forgive, but I ask you to be the Lord of my life. From this day forward, I follow you. You are the audience of my life. If you just ask Jesus to be the audience of your life for the first time, forgiving you of sin, would you just boldly raise your hand right now? God bless you, sir. I see you right back there. Anybody else? Anybody else? Hold your hand up high. I'd love to just pray for you. God bless you. I see you back there on the back row. There's the sound booth. Anybody else? God bless you. And back, back up here in the top of the balcony. God bless you, ma'am. Right there, right here on the front row. God bless you, my brother. Father, we thank you so much. You tell us over even just one lost sinner that turns, repents, and, and comes into your kingdom, the entire population of the angels of heaven break into celebration right now. We praise you, God, that there is a party going on in heaven right now over these lives that have been transformed by your power. We praise you for that. I pray, God, that you would help us even this week to think of somebody we can invite with us back here this next week that they could be changed by the words of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father in heaven, for doing these wonderful things in our midst. We pray them all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.